Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. We have just come out of Rosh Hashanah. We're in the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, known as the 10 days of Teshuvah, Aseret Teshuvah. And we're coming to that very, very holy day, the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur, a day in which people tremble just thinking about it. But in reality, Yom Kippur is not a day of fear. It's not a day of dread, it's a day of love. It's a day of love and forgiveness. It's a day in which Hashem shows us His unconditional love, and He's just waiting for us to come back to Him. So this day, Yom Kippur, really is a glimpse of ourselves. It's a day in which we get rid of all the material aspects of our lives. We, we don't eat. We don't drink, we don't bathe, we don't anoint ourselves with, with creams. We wear uh, shoes that are not made out of leather. And we become almost angels. We, we transcend our physicality on Yom Kippur. That's what really it is all about. All this day is about not being a person, it's about being a soul. It's about being able to tap into the most inner part of ourselves, our essence, which is oneness with Hashem. This is the only day of the year in which we have the opportunity to really come to grasp that, that part of us that is unique, that it's one with God. It has never come down to this world. It is not tainted. It's perfect. And on Neila, at the end of the, of the Yom Kippur prayers, the last Amidah, which is the Amidah of Neila, the fifth Amidah of the day, we are able to tap into this level of our soul. So on Yom Kippur, we have this glimpse of, of ourselves and our choices in our relationship with Hashem. And it's a day in which we set step back from our perspective of the world, of our perspective of life, and we tap into Hashem's perspective. You know, <clears throat> you can have a theater full of people watching a Broadway show. And depending on which seat that the person is sitting, he's going to have a, a very different perspective from the person that is sitting next to him or in front of him or in back of him or in the balcony. Nobody in that whole theater has the same perspective. Everybody will come out and, and they will say that they saw things that the other people didn't see. So at the same time, Yom Kippur is a day in which we are able to grasp a little bit of Hashem's perspective in this world. Uh, there's a cryptic verse in the book of Psalms of Tehillim in uh, Psalm 139, uh, which says, the sages say, the days were formed and one of them is his. And the sages say that this is alluding to the day of Yom Kippur. So every day of the year, we see the world from our perspective, from our point of view, we experience the world from our inner, everything, our personalities, our traumas, our makeup, depending on the place you live, with the customs you live, and people perceive the world in this way. But in reality, there's only one way, and that's Hashem's perspective. The rest is all a mirage, and there's only one reality, and the only reality that exists is Hashem. So from God's perspective, and, and everything changes, everything changes in light of that perspective. So when we're able to tap into Hashem's perspective, 
and his view of the world and how he wants us to live and how he wants us to 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 do in our lives according to Torah and mitzvot when we attach ourselves to his will then we're living under his perspective the Talmud teaches that in this world when something good happens to us we praise Hashem we say blessed is he who is good to good and does good and when something bad happens in our perspective something that is bad that is painful we also bless Hashem and we say Baruch Dayan Be'edmet blessed is he the true judge but it says that in the future when Mashiach comes we're only gonna say blessed is he who is good and does good even about the misfortunes in our lives because when we come to the times of Mashiach when we'll come to these days we will be able to see only Hashem's perspective we're not gonna be able to see our perspective we all will see that everything is good and God's plan to bring upon us is ultimate good, goodness. Hashem only wants goodness for, for us. Only good can come from Him. What happens is that sometimes in this world, His goodness gets distorted. Once it comes here, because of our perspe perspectives, because of the way we see things, the goodness that He sends becomes distorted. So according to Jewish mysticism, although we have the free choice to do others other than God's will, God is always in control. In other words, even when we can do other than God's will, we cannot oppose his will and undermine his plan. This is something very important to understand. Nothing that happens in this world is not something that Hashem wills. So even if a person harms you, if someone harms you, it's Hashem's will. This is hard to understand. It's hard to grasp. But the reality is, is that whatever comes to you is because this is what Hashem wants for you. And it's ultimate good. It, it doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from the, His goodness because He wants to give you goodness. And it's like a parent. It's like a parent, Avinu. He, the kid at six o'clock in the afternoon, wants to eat an ice cream. And the parent says, no way, it's time for dinner. You have to eat your dinner. But the three-year-old in his limited intellect is crying, he's banging the doors of the house. He's very upset because he doesn't get his ice cream. He doesn't understand why the father or the mother, if they love him so much, are not giving him the ice cream that he likes. But in reality, the parents know better. And they know that if they feed the kid the ice cream at this time of the day, the kid is not gonna have his meal and he's not gonna get the nutrients he needs and he's not gonna grow. And so they have to be uh, acting gevura in, in severity with boundaries. And for the child, this is evil. This is, he's doing something bad, bad to me. But in reality, the parents are doing good for him. They want the best for their son. So the same is Hashem with us. Sometimes we have to go through things in this world that for us is the ultimate evil. How can this ever happen to me? How could this person do this to me? But at the end of the day, if we look within and we see the root of why this thing had to happen to me, what do I have to learn from this? What is the silver lining here? What has to come out of this? then we're gonna see the goodness. You know, it has amazed me that so many people have told me, but it's so many people that COVID is the best thing that ever happened to them. It's the best thing that ever happened to them. 
And I look at them and I says, why do you say that? He says, no, because I was in such a bad place in my head. I was thinking about all this stupidity and I was focused on these things and they had irrelevant things, baseless things. And suddenly COVID came and then my house was full of my children and grandchildren and I had to be cooking all day and taking care of them. And, and suddenly I was out of myself. I was giving to others. I was really living. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And like this story, I've heard so many other stories. So therefore, when we have done wrong and are sorry for that, we must realize that no matter what we have done, it cannot be recycled back into God's plan and contribute to the ultimate good of the world. So nothing bad comes into this world. Everything that happens is good. What happens is that we don't see it as good, but you'll, you'll say, but Margie, come on, you're telling me that a person goes into a house and steals from that house and he ties everybody up. You're telling me that's good? How can you say that? So in God's realm, in God's perspective, this thief was going to steal. He chose to be a thief. This is his free choice. Nobody forced him to be a thief. He became a thief. And Hashem takes advantage of this person and uses him to steal from these people that he needs to, for a certain reason, these people need to be stolen from, whatever the reason is, from Hashem's kindness, these people have to experience this thing. And at the end of the day, it's all recycled. But the person that stole, nevertheless, did a sin. He did an Avera. So he has to ask forgiveness. He has to ask for, he has to do Mehila. He has to do atonement. Because what he did was not right. But what happened to the people was meant to come to them. Whoever, this guy, another guy, it doesn't matter. It had to be part of their lives. So, however, if you sincerely regret your wrongdoings and resolve never to do them again, then you are completely absolved. You are forgiven. And your past will be recycled and put to, towards a future good. So Yom Kippur is the most amazing day. It's an amazing day of transformation. It's a day in which we can really transform all the bad we have done in our lives to goodness. If we come to Hashem on Yom Kippur and we do Teshuvah from the recesses of our hearts and we repent and we promise not to ever do it again and we reconnect to Hashem and we return to our essence, not only our sins will disappear, but they will turn into merits. They will become white as snow. Something that was red will become white as snow. How can I explain this to you? For example, I see a person, I, I heard the story of this person that was in drugs, he was a drug addict, he was a thief, he was a horrible person, horrible, he was in the worst place ever. One day he was in a car accident and he had an accident and he died and he had a near death experience, he eventually came back. He was lucky that he came back and when he came back he realized how bad his life was and he did teshuva, complete teshuva. Today, He's a famous rabbi who's helping hundreds and thousands of people all over the world to go back to their essence. He took all the bad that he did and he transformed it to the good. That's what it means when you do teshuva. When you do the right teshuva, all your sins are not only forgiven, but they become merits. Because all the evil that he did in his life, 
helped him become the person he is today and helps him get to people that no other person would be able to touch because of his story and is able to bring them back and bring them back to Hashem. So the joyous truth of God's oneness is shining bright and clear on Yom Kippur. And Torah teaches that God is not just the one and only ruling power and there are no other gods, but that God is absolutely the one and only reality. It's not only that he's the power, he's God, he's the ruler of the world. He's the only reality. There's nothing else but Hashem. Only God. Everything is Hashem. And there is nothing else that exists apart from Him. And that does not mean that you and I are the Almighty God. However, we are souls. We are parts of Him and expressions of God. So everybody has a Neshama Elohit. We have a soul implanted within us that is a spark of God. And, and this doesn't mean that we're God, but it means that we have a, a spark of Him within us and that we are not separate from Him. So we have to understand that Hashem created the world in a way. He did a tzimtzum. He contracted Himself so much that He created a space so the world could exist. This is what really creation is. He, he made himself almost, in, he's invisible. You cannot hear him, you cannot touch him, you can even doubt that he exists. But he created this reality so we can exist. And the truth is that when we connect to this paradox, when we understand that Hashem is nothing and at the same time he's everything, it's not contradictory. We can come to understand and grasp this concept. The problem is that when we're here in this world, in this realm, we feel so, we're so far away from Him that we feel that we're separate from Him. We don't feel that we're part of Him. And He did this so we could have free choice. So a person doesn't sin just because. A person sins because he feels that he is not part of God. But when a person understands that he's part of Hashem, that he's actually a part of him in this world, then it's very hard to sin. You know, there's a concept in, in Kabbalah, in the Zohar, that the Shekhinah went in exile with us. The Shekhinah, the, God, the divine presence of Hashem is in exile. What does that mean that it's in exile? The soul, when the soul descends into the body, the Shekhinah, the, the, the divine presence of Hashem is inside of us. So when a, a Jew, does things that go against the Torah, that goes against Hashem's will, because the Torah is Hashem's will. For example, he goes to a restaurant to eat oysters. He's dragging the Shahina with him. That godly spark that's within him is with him eating the oysters. He's there with you. You don't feel him. You don't see him. You don't hear, but you, you're, you're Neshama cries. And then you're full of anxiety and you don't know why you're anxious and it's because you ate things you shouldn't be eating and your soul is saying, hello, I'm here. He's knocking on you, hello, it pains me. Please, do godly things. Connect to your neshama, connect to your soul, connect to, to the reality, to the true reality. So what difference do, then does our choices make? And the Rabbi David Aaron says something that I love, that it's so amazing what he says. He says, a real choice is whether to become a conscious partner to God in the making of history or an unconscious tool for Hashem. 
Our choice is either we're partners with God in creation, we're part of his world, we're part of his reality, we're creating, we're creators, we're bringing light, we're doing good things, we're elevating the world, or are we, or when we choose to go the other way, we become his tools. He uses us anyways. He's a recycler, remember. He's not gonna waste you. He's gonna use you. And so you become a tool. And we can choose to do God's will and contribute to his plan in an active and conscious way. We can have a relationship with Hashem. We can wake up every day and, and say, okay, I'm ready for you. What do you need from me today? Or we can go in automatic, going through our lives, not thinking about God ever. Like a person can go through a hundred years of life and never think about God. Only the minute he's dying that he remembers there's Hashem and that he did some things he shouldn't have done. You can go through a life like that and have a wonderful life. Really, have a wonderful life. Or you can go through life choosing to be part of the creation, be, choosing to be part of this world, choosing to be a conscious uh, individual that has uh, an effect on the world of God. And so, and so it's ironic. So through one, our choices, either we fulfill God's plan uh, knowingly, consciously, or we're also fulfilling God's plan without knowing because he doesn't waste you, he uses you. He uses you for what he needs to be done. And so when we do this, however, we deny ourselves the joyous knowledge of our inseparable connection to God. And instead, painfully, we suffer feelings of alienation and separation from Hashem. So much of, of anxiety and, 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 and all these negative feelings that we harbor, all this negativity, that lack of self-worth and self-esteem, all that comes from not being connected to the source. It's from living a life where you're completely disconnected from your source. So we only choose to disobey God, God's will, when we mistakenly think that we exist separate or independent from Him. But when we realize that we're one with Him, that we are one with Hashem, Shema Israel, listen, Israel. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, the same God that is infinite, is the same God that is in beauty nature. Hashem Echad is one, everything is God. Then when we're able to live like that, when we are able to connect ourselves to Hashem every minute of the day, there's 613 ways to connect to Him that we have to fulfill in thought, speech, and action. If you are connected to God through mitzvahs, you're very busy all day connecting to God. He's everywhere. You see him everywhere. Then you create your own heaven. You, you live in heaven. And so the purpose of a mitzvah is to promote God's oneness and our oneness with God. And sins, on the other hand, promote separateness and create feelings of conflict and alienation. So on Yom Kippur, we're able to tap into that place, that level of the soul. We have five levels, which are nefesh, ruach, neshama, haya, yehida. The nefesh is the basic primordial level of your soul, is your instinctive part, is, is, is your, 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 what keeps you alive. Then you have your ruach, which is your emotional part, your emotional level. 
Then you have uh, neshama, what we know as the soul. Neshama is the intellectual level of the soul. Then you have haya, which is a transcendental level of the soul, which is neither here or there. It's a, like, a, like a lifeline that connects us to our oneness and to this world. And then you have Yehida, which is oneness with Hashem. And that level of the soul is with Hashem always. It never comes down. So there's a part of you that is here in a body. There's a part of you that's around you. And there, there's a level of you that is up there with Hashem. And so it comes Yom Kippur, the only day in the year in which we have five Amidas, five Shemone Ezres, in which each one of these Shemone Ezres connects us to one level of the soul. So throughout the year, you can come to connect to your transcendental part, which is the Haya, with the Musa prayer. But on Yom Kippur, we have the extra Amida, the Neila, which is at the end of Yom Kippur, in which we are able to connect to that level of ourselves that is one with God. And, and I tell you, if you do the five Amidas on Yom Kippur, the, 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 the Arvit, Shaharit, Minha, Musab, and Neila, you're gonna, each one connects to a different level of your soul. When you come to Neila, you're gonna feel that. It's one minute, you feel like, a, like something is trembling within you and outside of you. You even cry because you feel that part of you that's one with Hashem. It's such a strong feeling. And it lasts for a year, that feeling. It gives you the strength to continue going throughout the whole year and understanding that you're oneness with Hashem. What happens is that in this world, there's so much divisiveness and the dichotomy. Hashem created a world so we can feel separate from Him, so we can choose to connect to Him. Because if we would be able to see Hashem everywhere, at every instant and every moment, we wouldn't be able to have free choice. We would do everything like, like the angels. We would, have, we would do everything Hashem wants from us. But Hashem wants us to choose. He wants us to choose Him. So the Talmud teaches that in the world to come, we do not eat or drink. We're simply satiated by our feelings of closeness to Hashem. This is what gives us joy in the world to come, is the nearness, the connection to God. On Yom Kippur, because we're basking in the light of the world to come, we too are satiated by our intimate experience with God. You know, when you do Yom Kippur the right way, you go to shul and you pray and you connect to Yom Kippur. You're not home watching television and, and commercials of hamburgers, but when you're doing it the right way, it's such a transcendental experience. Like you really, that day, you don't feel human. You feel beyond human. And so when the light of God's oneness is shining, we do not want our bodies to create shadows. The body is an obstruction of Hashem, of Hashem. So we also don't wear leather shoes. Leather shoes is interesting because they represent the body, which we do not want to relate on Yom Kippur. We want to get rid of anything that is bodily, that's material. And when Moses approached the burning bush, God told him to take off his shoes which also metaphorically meant to take off his body. The shoe to the body is like the body to the soul. Not wearing leather shoes on Yom Kippur is an external act that reflects an internal state of being. So it's a metaphor. It's to get rid of your body. On Yom Kippur, we get rid of the body. It's one day a year that we are souls. 
we live in a soul level. And so on Yom Kippur, I, we disassociate ourselves one day from the body, so the body does not separate us from immersing in Hashem's, in the Hashem's light, in the, in the rays of Hashem. And so in this way, I acknowledge the truth of how I exist within God. And Yom Kippur offers the perfect setting, the perfect feeling to return to Hashem. This is why we do it this way, so we can really connect to our essence, to connect to who we really are, to our oneness. This is who you really are. It's a little piece of God, a spark of Hashem. This is, your, this is eternal. This doesn't ever die. This is who you are now and then. And so on Yom Kippur, we're able to tap into the, this reality, which is the ultimate reality. So I want to wish you a Gemar Hatimatova. You should have an easy fast. You should be inscribed and sealed in the book of life, in the book of good life, in a book in which you are connected to God, in which you are connected to your source, in which every day you live is a beautiful, inspiring, connected day. And this is the way people live is not the way we should be living. We should be living for Hashem. We should be living happy, connected, with no anxieties and no stresses, and we should be living for Hashem. This is the ultimate reality. So I wish you the best, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you. <laughs>